Hi everyone, welcome back to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast, episode 32 today. I'm Colin McFader, I'm joined as always by Clark Coffey. How's it going? It's going well, man. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, we're doing The Elephant Man today, which is uh, David Lynch's 1980 film Ooh. about Joseph Merrick, who was a... Or John, as he's century. called. Or John, as he's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he's a late 18th century uh, figure. Is it 18th in, or in 19th? Britain. Or I guess it would be 19th century. It was right? 19th, right? I always get that confused yeah. too. But we're talking. I think you he go was back born... one for a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he was born in uh, in what I think like 62, 1862. Yeah, uh, died I think in about 1880, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sorry, 1890. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's going to actually have him in the 19th century London. Yes, yeah, yeah late 19th century. Um, but yes, he was known as the Elephant Man. He had severe uh, deformities to his body, which we still um, don't medically understand exactly. Yeah, we don't. There's there's theories as to what they could have been, but yeah, there's no consensus yep. really on on what They've exactly even, was the he, cause of it. Yeah, they've um, even done I think uh, like you know a DNA test of, of yes, bone yeah, and hair. His, his and, remains and are still, still on display in London, I think. Yeah. Still no consensus as yeah. to exactly what uh, he might have been afflicted with, but very interesting. Uh, yeah, very interesting figure. Um, and gotta... so the the movie is primarily based off of uh, um, Treves' book, who was the doctor, Sir Frederick um, Treves. Yeah, Frederick Treves. Yeah, who the... was was basically his his I suppose you could say closest friend and benefactor, doctor. doctor um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Fre- Frederick Treves' book, The Elephant Man and Other mm-hmm. Reminiscences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think was the primary source, although I think there was an additional source of as well, if I'm not mistaken. But that was the primary source for yes, Lynch. Yeah, there was a, the other, the other was um, a book. I think it was a researcher was the other. Correct. Uh, it was a, not uh, a primary source. Yeah. Ashley Montague's *The Elephant Man: A Study in Human Dignity*, which re- which was go. released in 1971. So that mm-hmm. those were the two source materials. Yeah, uh, and that it was Lynch it was. Um, Produced by Mel Brooks, uncredited. Um, yep. But but he Which thought super that interesting, you know yeah. he felt that his name being on the movie would kind of lead people to assume that it was satire or comedy of some sort, and so he decided. Um, to take his name off the movie. But yeah, Mel Brooks involved, um, which is interesting because, uh, you know, just kind of, I guess, an aside that Lynch's previous film was in black and white. Um, was Eraserhead. Eraserhead. And Mel Brooks's earlier film, Young Frankenstein, was black and white as well. So black I find it interesting right. that this even, you know, mid-70s, um, early 80s, these movies are still being made in black and white. On a, You know the name of the film stock. What was the film? It was a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> so, film stock. So, yeah, the, I mean, a, a fun little tidbit of, of history and trivia here. So, uh, it, yeah, the, I, I find the film to be really quite beautiful. And mm-hmm. so uh, I wanted to know what stock it was shot on. It was actually shot on Eastman Codex Plus X 5231, and uh, used to be a very popular film for black and white, and there was a, a still uh, 35 equivalent. equivalent. Uh, and I'm not quite sure if that film is still made or not by the UK subsidy of Kodak that still makes film. I, I'd have to double check on that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure a whole bunch of them are discontinued. That they yeah, don't unfortunately, uh, some live on as still photo stock now. Um, yeah, yeah. But this this is for sure gone. So they discontinued this particular stock. And actually, interesting story. So I think we all remember that film, The Artist. Uh, mm-hmm. Not too long ago, shot black and white. One best it, picture. Yeah. One best picture. I forget the year that that was 2012, released. 
think. Okay, yeah. Or 11. Ish, yeah, tw- ish. Um, so actually the producers, director of that film, wanted to shoot on this stock, the, the Eastman Kodak Plus X 5231, wanted to shoot on that, uh, but uh, it had been discontinued by that point in time. So they were looking for, okay, do we have any stock that's you know anywhere around the world? And it had literally just, just been snagged up. All of the the little snippets, loose ends, everything that existed anywhere, real here, real there, uh, was picked up by a project called The Ghastly Love of Johnny X, a film that I'm sure none of us have seen. I had mm-hmm. never heard of it. It's like a it. musical, I think. I looked up a trailer I, for it. I, yeah. Okay, yeah, but it was made by an indie filmmaker out here in Burbank. So mm-hmm. that project had actually bought up all the remaining stock right before the artist wanted to use it. And so the artist actually ended, if I'm not mistaken, they ended up shooting color digitally and then switched to black and white after the fact, if I'm not right. mistaken. So, um, which which a lot of projects have done since then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's gone. Well, um, so, so what's interesting no too more. about, so the, the, the film looks like it was shot in the early 20th century. Like it really does look like something from the 1920s or 30s. Yeah. Um, it really I think what's does really have interesting, an old so look. And there's, there's very clearly an intent uh, and a choice may, being made there. And, you know, which is, I think, is really funny because, again, we, we kind of have spoken about this before, but movies didn't look like this in 1980. And I think that that's a really important point no. to, to perhaps younger people who, you know, would be might watch this movie for the first time or something. That this, you know, very much looks... Is, is intentionally looking it's very dated. unique it looks like it's it's kind of it's shot period um, yeah in a lot of ways and and, and definitely the, the obviously black and white uh is part of that but it was shot in 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 other using other techniques and other ways that i think make it look any uh, even older which we could i, I would talk say the to. only one that that is not which is an interesting choice again is that it's shot widescreen um anamorphic, shot anamorphic which is which is kind of an interesting choice to be made like rather than you know perhaps one three three academy ratio but um, I mean, yeah, regardless of that, it's, it's still a beautiful movie. It's a really, it's yeah. a good point. I mean, especially because this is all interiors. It's we're in small rooms. We're we're in it. And not to say that I'm necessarily a fan of four three or you mm-hmm. know square films, but uh, I, I think if there were a film where that would work, frankly, this was a film that that would have worked in. So I agree. Yeah. It's interesting that he went anamorphic widescreen. But I want to real quickly before we jump into the cinematography of this film. Uh, in earnest, a couple of the things that I think were really interesting on the on the history of it, you know, so when this film was released in 80, like you said, Colin, it was, a, a, its look was quite unique. Films were not looking like this in 1980. I mean, just to give us a little bit of, uh, you know, contrast here, I mean, you know, The Empire Strikes Back was the number one box office film mm-hmm. at the time. So, you know, you have other films like 9 to 5, uh, Stir Crazy with Richard Pryor, Airplane. I don't know if you've ever Kramer seen that comedy, the, yeah. the slapstick. I mean, you know, so so substantially <laughs> different in look and feel and, you know, production. Yeah. But but the film was really quite successful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, up until this point, you know, we have uh, David Lynch. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we mentioned he was the director, right? We mentioned that already. Um, yes, yeah. Only his second certain. film, and, and his previous film was Eraserhead, if, and, and that's a, a quite a surreal, I mean, you could definitely call that an art house film, mm-hmm. a very surreal experience. Um, not not a by no means although it did actually do pretty well uh financially i think you you looked that up yeah it was made on ten thousand and made like seven million i think which is amazing i would have never guessed that i would have never guessed that but to have such a successful sophomore effort i mean 
you know, this film uh, budgeted was about five million. It recoup it, it recouped that and more twenty six million at the box office just in North America. Mm-hmm. I know it was also popular in other countries. I'm pretty and I think in Japan it was quite popular. Other countries for sure. And it was uh, nominated with eight Academy Awards, including mm-hmm. I mean big ones. You know, best picture, best director, best adapted screenplay, best actor. Um, now, unfortunately, it didn't win any. Uh, it lost all of those to uh, Ordinary People, mm-hmm. Raging Bull. Um, so and uh, it also spawned the academy award for best makeup it was that's it was right the inspiration the next year they they brought that on board because I mean, so many people were saying basically that you know we got to start acknowledging the incredible work that yeah. makeup artists do. I, I feel so, i feel so so sorry for uh for that production though um yeah, yeah. it's like darn it you do all this great work and uh, you know, so, so much so that the academy is like you know catalyzed and created a new category, and it's like, oh, not until you next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like that's got to be a bittersweet moment, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so let's let's go back to a little bit of what you were talking about the the look and the feel of this film. Mm-hmm. I think it is really unique, and I totally agree with you. I feel like this film has. Uh, it absolutely has an, a look that's so much older than 1980. Yeah. I mean, it's almost feels, which I mean, it feels period, not just in the costume, in the location, in the language, in the subject matter, but I mean, this really feels like an old film, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think and that's that's you know something that I think was very much an intention was was shooting this movie as it would have been shot. Of course, cinema didn't exist when Merrick was. Um, you know around but but shooting this as it would have been shot then and kind of taking the cues on theater especially and Mm -hmm. things like that um you know even just from the 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 point that the camera is very very observational it's very much you know obviously of course on a tripod the entire time um just kind of pans to follow action zooms in on on a lot of things but doesn't really push in there's not there's not really any dollies there's not um, there's not much movement of the camera in, a, in an actual like 3D movement kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is a very simplified production. And because of that, again, it sort of does feel like almost like a little bit of an expressionistic. Um, it feels very much like a kind of a, an early silent film um, in a lot of ways, which I thought was really, really neat. Um, yeah, and even, I get, you know, I adding to that too. Like... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah. yeah I, I thought I was just going to say. You said expression. I was going to say, yeah. It's. I mean, I do get a feel of like some German expressionism. I. I get like little hints of M, for example, and mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. you know the high contrast uh, way it's shot. You even sometimes feel even a little bit of noir creep in. A yeah. lot of you know, like I said, high contrast lighting. A lot of like the usage of shadows to hide and reveal. Um, so I definitely noticed that too, but I'm sorry yeah, to continue. No, I, I, mean, I was yeah. just going to add too that it also, to me, like there's a lot of inspiration from, and again, I'm this is all, you know, me kind of stipulating or not stipulating. I'm I'm, I'm just speculating on speculating on things that we've seen, but um, but I, I think there's a lot of that sort of feels almost like an old like creature of the Black Lagoon as well, and that mm-hmm. it almost presents and not in you know in a very very aware way. Mm-hmm. That it's kind of like approaching the subject matter to a degree that the people at the time would have approached him. Because, of course, he was kind of paraded around yeah, circuses absolutely. and things like that. Um, it feels like a so, MGM monster movie. Yeah, so it does. Especially it definitely that, presents, first, that yeah. first act, yeah. And so and so I know an, another thing, too. So the movie's, of course, being, you know, with that being the visual 
interpretation of the movie. I would also add that the storytelling very much feels rooted in that exact kind of aesthetic or that I mean that that kind of time period. Yeah. In that it it it's very simple. Um there's not a whole lot of um you know opinion being put onto the to the material. There's not a whole lot of hmm. necessarily point of view. Um again it's very much a movie that seems to be much more in a Herzog sense, uh, fly on the wall than than like kind of a stinging hornet. It doesn't really say any or like br- bring any grand conclusions to the table and say like this yeah. is what you have to think about leaving this movie. It's it's very much presented again in that very simplistic kind of like the reason that I think it's so interesting to compare it to like a creature of black black lagoon or something like that is because to me it almost seems like it's it's the creature of the black lagoon if the filmmaker now had sympathy for the creature of the black lagoon mm-hmm. um and well, of course like that's frankenstein not, yeah. of course and which frankenstein is too yeah right yeah and so so i think that it's it's interesting that it's made in that way and that it's presented in that kind of format um without going the kind of extra step of of contextualizing it in a modern day context um like it doesn't really have i would say a modern point of view on the subject matter there's no critiques yeah. really that are brought up of um of the treatment of him by any characters you know well, whether it's, super it's good interesting or bad that, yeah it's extremely interesting you mentioned that because it is i mean um the film the film very much is and I, we're definitely going to get into this kind of that the lynch's opinion his perspective and moralization or lack thereof we definitely want to talk to you a lot more about that but mm-hmm. i want to focus in for just a moment here on part of what you mentioned because you said a lot there about this you know that the story is told not just in its look and in the feel um uh from it you know it's you're right in how they handle the subject matter it feels like the story is being told from the perspective of 1880 right it's Mm -hmm. almost as if if we made this film uh right after joseph merrick died like this might be what that film would look like is kind of you know so it's like if 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 we if we made this film 100 years prior to when it was made and a great example of that i think is um is that is the very opening the very opening of this film we have this great surreal uh symbolic uh very lynchian very lynchian the most lynchian Um, part of the movie arguably there's a couple of these dream sequences right that i feel are very much uh lynchian but um but but what we have here is and and it's really unsettling. It's quite disturbing. This you know it almost uh, it, it feels almost like that that you know a woman is being either hurt or you know accosted by this elephant. Uh, but it's interesting to note. I mean that that was the explanation back then of what had happened to to Joseph Merrick. The explanation mm-hmm. at the time was you know of course lacking modern medicine and technology was that she had been injured by an elephant while she was pregnant. And that encounter with that elephant while she was pregnant imprinted this onto the infant. And that was a common belief at the time. That was a commonly held medical belief that if something happened to a pregnant woman like that, uh, if she were frightened by an animal or, you know, some some kind of event like that occurred, that it would imprint that onto the infant and potentially affect their development. So it's interesting that, you know, Lynch shows us this happening. And basically is the explanation. This is the explanation in the film for why Joseph Merrick is the way he is to an extent. Yeah. Uh, so it's very much told from this perspective that's 100 plus years old. So I think that's quite fascinating because, of course, you could have made the choice 
to tell the story in an entirely different way. I mean, you <laughs> could have told it from a today's perspective, right? If you yeah. wanted. Um, you know, something else I noticed too, just real quick, that really places this film in that era is there's so much, there's so many, uh, I guess, inserts, if you want to kind of uh, call it that, of end of uh, machinery. There's a lot mm -hmm. of machinery and smokestacks, and they, they don't seem to necessarily have anything to do with the story per se, but I feel like it really puts you in this time period of industrialization in London. Yeah, and even the first, the opening scene of the film is, well, not the, necessarily the very opening, but one of the opening scenes, our introduction to um, Anthony Hopkins' character is him doing surgery on someone who's been injured by, by machinery. Machine. So per, and even then, perhaps that could be, again, all speculation, um, but perhaps the, you know, the connection that Lynch was trying to make there was somehow that this pollution could have caused, you know, birth deformities as as has Possible. been recorded through history of like yeah. areas of extreme pollution of extreme um you know chemical output often wind up with more and more birth defects a higher rate of birthday so whether or not that was the intention who knows it could have yeah. exactly it could have simply just been something to establish the time period and establish the the feeling but um i would say that it, it is definitely you know again like you were saying that there's this very interesting kind of especially in the first half of the movie this motif of, of machinery continually coming up and that, that Hopkins, um, one of his lines is basically about the, the uncaring, unfeeling, you know, almost primitiveness of machines and things like that. And he, he's very critical of them. So I think it, I think yeah. it is interesting. And perhaps that even does come up again, very, very, uh, vague connection, but, but, and or subtle um but the idea perhaps that it, it is this machine instinct that makes people fear merrick that it, well that's that, a great you know, the the immediate response for most people is this again this very almost like computational fear without any uh any reason to to be fearful other than purely on a visual level um right and so i think that is kind of interesting and again like i i don't again i don't have the answer to to what lynch was necessarily going for um in his specific you know choices there but i i would say that it is it is interesting that those things do come up a lot especially within the first half of the film when merrick is being introduced um before you know it's 45 minutes before he has his first line of dialogue in this movie so mm -hmm. the first half of the movie very much is portraying merrick as this voiceless creature right um doesn't look like a human like he doesn't have a human being's face he doesn't have you know or shape hardly body or shape or anything you you see him in silhouette when he's you know you don't really get a lot of uh close-up views of him until he begins to talk um and i think that that's again a very deliberate choice that he is portrayed as this 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 thing that cannot be seen this um almost like an enigma of mankind and and that this like this creature um, and that it's once he begins to, to be, speak and, and kind of is, is humanized in that way that we then tone all of that down. There's no longer the, the stark images of silhouette with him. There's no longer the, um, the long, again, universal monster movie type in shots of him kind of stumbling down a dark hallway. Um, it becomes very much um, a, a much more matter-of-fact type of, of filmmaking once he's, once he's introduced as... as more so a person um if that makes sense and i think that does really hark on the idea that it was made exactly like you said it was made like something in the 1890s um 
Because this day and age, I mean, let's speculate for a second. This day and age, if this movie was made, um, I think that it would humanize Merrick from the outset. I think that it would be much more of a story from his point of view, from his perspective. You would feel what he was feeling much more um, viscerally. It would, it would perhaps discuss more so about his aspirations and much more about... Um, like, I think it would do much more to put you in the shoes of the character in this horrifying, um, you know, just situation that he was in where every single person he seemed to see was terrified of him and how horrible that would be for somebody, which this movie, of course, does touch on, the Lynch version does touch on. But I think that this day and age, if this movie was made from a modern context, it would be ma- that would be much more at the forefront of the film, which I think is very interesting because, again, Lynch chooses to strip all that away and make it very much something that's that's quite matter of fact that is quite um almost theatrical in a lot of ways um so i just think that's an interesting choice that that lynch decided uh, on was was this idea that you know it's not super personal if that makes sense like it doesn't although it's about merrick himself it doesn't feel like it's a very personal picture about Merrick it feels much more biographical much more of a study of the man than um than himself than than like his necessarily a movie about him and his wants and dreams and things like that Um, so I just think that's kind of an interesting angle uh, that the movie came from well I there's a lot there you brought up a, a lot of different things I think in my mind so try to try to touch on a handful of things that you brought up so i think you know lynch is kind of taking us through the process that anybody who would have been introduced to to joseph merrick in life would have gone through Mm -hmm. um and it's the process that uh that um frederick treves hopkins character goes through and and uh so many of the other frankly almost all the characters go through this process with him which is that on your initial impression he is not human he is a curiosity he is terrifying he is gruesome and you're trying to understand and process what this thing is and so the way he's revealed to us is absolutely in that way um we're also curious we're all we're no different than these other characters who find him as a as a gruesome novelty and it's and it's we're more concerned about our curiosity than we are about his feelings mm-hmm. and and so it's only after this process of realization that uh the other the characters go through as well and we're going through it with them where he's humanized right the film mm-hmm. humanizes him over time so he starts out at one point where he is definitely something other than human and by the time we empathize greatly with him because we we're we see that he has an intellect he has uh feelings he is hurt by the reactions of other people to his physical appearance and we see this and we get to know him a little bit more and so i think you know the film is allowing us to go through a, a process that i think we anybody would have gone through yes um, yeah you know, and, and and that's the sad reality of it is that I think that most people would not. I mean, that look, this is the reality of humans, period. Whether you look like the elephant man or you look like anybody else, you know, a lot of times we don't empathize with things that we don't, you know, people that we don't have some kind of personal extended experience with, sadly. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this leads to a lot of nasty things in our world. But, you know, most of the time, this is how racism exists. This is how sexism, sexism exists. This is how all kinds of things exist where, 
you, you've dehumanized a group of people or a person until you actually get to know them. And once you get to know them, and then you actually start to see them as human. So mm-hmm. in yeah. my mind, I think this is a really interesting mechanism. I think it's a, it's a, I like the choice by, uh, oh, yeah. no, by I think Lynch. It's very, yeah. And, yeah. but you do, you know, other things that you touch on too. I mean, there's so much here. I'm, I'm afraid I, I don't want to lose some of the other things you talked about, but, um, you know, you talked about a difference between this film and how a biographical film would have been done today. I, and I think maybe you and I have talked about this a little bit, but I'm not a big fan of how most biograph films are done today. Yes. I, I'm yeah. really not a fan. And a lot yeah. of this Oscar bait stuff that's been put out, uh, I, I and clearly this was Oscar bait too, although they didn't bite. Ha ha ha. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, it's, I, I, and it, it's interesting too. If we, I mean, we could really go into this for a long time here, but... Um, you know, in a strange sense, I, you could make an argument and I don't know if I am, but I'm just going to kind of present it as food for thought, you know, that, that Lynch is kind of doing to the elephant man, what he's pointing out that other people did in his lifetime, Mm -hmm. which is that it's kind of like, he's still reduced to his physical attributes in this film in a sense. I mean, he is still defined by his, uh, deformities and by how other people react to his deformities in this film. We aren't, although we do get some glimpses, right, we, we, uh, into Merrick, but very little. We get little moments where he's, we, we sense a longing to be loved by a woman. We get some of that. Uh, and there's that really kind of nice, beautiful, touching scene where he's reenacting Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he, this man is presented so one-dimensionally um, we don't see anything, for example, that he's a real human being with also less desirable traits. We just, yeah. we see that he he's never gets kind. angry. Yeah. 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 He never gets angry. He never gets jealous. I mean, do you think maybe the elephant man might've been resentful in real life, jealous maybe in real life of people who looked normal? I'm going to guess likely because he's mm-hmm. human. So a lot of these biograph films strip that humanity away from people, be, from their from their subjects, because I think they're afraid. They make it all about the struggle. Yeah, they, I think they're afraid that it's like, well, if we admit that he was human and that he also had traits that we consider quote unquote unpleasant, that somehow this 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 takes away our ability to like use him as a an icon of the human, the triumph of the human spirit, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff just bores me. Well, I also think that it's it's very like when you say that that he's still in this film presented relatively one dimensionally. That that most people in this movie are as well. There's there's mm-hmm. a lot of a That's lot of true. interesting. So this kind of goes into the choices of of um, I'm not sure if it was Lynch or if it was the other writers that that decided these things. But what's interesting about this film is that there's a lot of um, the changes that are made from real life. For example, that the 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 real life relationship between um, Merrick and Treves was much longer than it's kind of presented in the movie. They had right. a relationship for years. Um, but even so, so Tom Norman, who is the person that um, bites, who is the kind of circus owner that parades uh, right. um, uh, Merrick around at the beginning of the film in the film, he's presented as this kind of like a, a working class, not very rich um, not a very good life, kind of a you know a piece a of scoundrel. Crap. A, a scoundrel, a scoundrel, con man, and a scoundrel. In, in real I would life, say. that the the real Tom Norman only knew uh, Merrick for a matter of weeks before Merrick was kind of taken to the hospital. 
and was actually quite a wealthy man was was Mm. quite a like successful businessman in london who owned a whole bunch of these you know as they were called freak shows right um and so it's interesting that that choice but but it's also something to be said that pretty much everybody of the working class in this film is presented as sort of animalistic sort of monstrous oh. um and and yeah whereas everyone of the upper classes there's still some moments where people are of the upper classes are displayed as being scared or something of merrick but much more gentle and it almost also you know kind of in line with that plays up this idea that merrick isn't human until he can read and recite shakespeare and recite the bot like that there's this kind of and so yeah. again that could totally have been and so i'm not necessarily pointing at the finger and saying that lynch is saying that all poor people are monsters and all rich people are nice but i think that there, and it could very much have been again this idea that lynch was making this film from an 1890s perspective which would have very well have been the perspective at the time that the uneducated poorer masses they were too uneducated to appreciate merrick they were too uneducated to understand that he was a human being whereas we of the upper class we of the theater we of the you know the medical professions we understood him as a person and so we were much kinder to him so again whether or not, you know, again, I, I don't know if Lynch was making that decision because of that, because he was actually trying to almost highlight that element, that that the the elements of, of Treves' book where, um, you know, it's primarily mostly rich people that are kind to to uh, yeah. Merrick versus the, the poorer people who are again much more aggressive and read much more book? violent towards him yeah yeah and i've not read the books so i don't know but yeah i absolutely th- th- it's clear what you mentioned um it is that the poor people are are represented here or you know middle underclass are represented as crude and rude and heartless um whether that's like you mentioned bites or it's the the night porter at the hospital who takes mm-hmm. advantage of uh joseph and and charges people to bring people into his room and ridicule him and you know doing it for a laugh and a, and a you know a little bit of extra money um mr bites you mentioned he's represented as an alcoholic and um although there's a little bit of texture there and you there's lynch hints a little bit that maybe there is an affection but mm-hmm. by i mean absolutely 99 percent of it i mean he's putting him in cages he's beating yeah. him he's you know i mean it's it's really quite horrific treatment and and you're right and then all the upper class people are the people with means the people with education they're by and large very nice i mean i think the most you know negative scene that we show with a rich person is where that couple comes in to have tea with merrick after he's kind of been presented to the london you know social class and uh and they're a little bit afraid of him which is like well who wouldn't be you know but Mm -hmm. but they're never rude they're not they're certainly not what you would call mean or abusive um so i agree this is really interesting here and it is i think as a whole it's sometimes difficult to kind of understand what lynch is saying um Mm -hmm. and i don't think lynch is is a director that that uh you know some directors are are very overt in their perspective in films that in, in other words they tell you exactly what they're thinking whether it's through dialogue i mean they're very very specific and you know you can people have different opinions uh uh it was definitely a criticism i think at the time roger ebert did not review this film well and criticized kind of the the that he was unable to tell what Lynch was saying about this situation yeah um i, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing necessarily at 
I think in some ways Lynch definitely hints at what he's saying about it, but I think he does it in a much more subtle manner, which I actually do prefer. I really yeah, totally. Yeah. I really, really, really don't like those films where he they here's you what you should think it. and here's yeah. why you should think it and um I, I just don't like I don't like when ideology overtakes aesthetics and film in general mm-hmm. or art, period. I'm not a big fan of that. Um so I, I prefer this. But I mean, he definitely, for example, Lynch, you know, it's uh, we are very clearly see a correlation where, you know, he uh, Joseph Merrick is, is is being treated as an object or an animal and is on display at the at the freak show. But then again, the instant that Anthony Hopkins character Treves uh, brings him to the hospital and presents him, he's shown that. I mean, he's totally degraded and treated as a non-human entity in front of that in that theater with the other surgeons and doctors and Mm -hmm. you know i mean it and they really make it a point i lynch very specifically makes a point to to speak to the level of degradation i think is and really you know i think other directors or a lot of people would handle this in 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 a less interesting way but i just there was something like so poignant about even you know, as Anthony Hopkins is like describing that his genitalia are still intact. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, remove your, your that last little bit of dignity and cover that you have and take away the, the cloth, you know, and we don't see any of it. It's so beautifully done with his shadow silhouetted, you know, behind that curtain. Mm-hmm. But it's just like to, to just take someone down to such a... Um, well, he's being displayed once more. Objectified yeah. level. So I think, you know, Lynch is saying there, look, it, it, he, or at least he's asking the question, is there a difference? Like, yeah. And, and of course, he does have uh, Treve's character explicitly say, I don't know if I'm doing this altruistically or, or am I just doing the exact same thing that uh, everybody else is doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least he's asking the question, which I think is uh, is a good thing. And I think we've all asked ourselves those questions. It brings up an interesting kind of question of greed versus altruism. And, and we likely we likely often delude ourselves into thinking we're being altruistic when we aren't. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, what do you think overall? I mean, well, I, th- I think what's interesting about what you've said is that it I think what Lynch did and again, this might be owing to the fact that he's he's portraying this story in a in a much more classical sense. Mm-hmm. Is that he just he he did which all movies have to do? Um, he simplified. Yeah, he took things from real life and put things on. So so was the character you know of course Bites' real name Mister Bites in, in the movie who's the the guy that owns the circus. Um, his real name of course again is was uh, Tom Norman. Was in real life Tom Norman a man that beat him? We don't know. Tom Norman says that, you know, in, in Tom Norman's uh, autobiography, he says that that he treated um, Merrick kindly, that Merrick often returned to him on his own accord um, and basically said that he felt like he was being shown as an animal in this hospital. Um, Interesting. You know, yeah. and, and at the time, at the time as well, uh, like things like freak shows and stuff like that were really going out of style that people, that the general population just began to feel, a, a, you know, an empathy for these people um, that were being displayed to these freaks. So I think in, in a lot of ways what Lynch has done, and especially by changing his name, and I think that's, again, another thing that's intentional, is basically using this character to represent the parts of society that sure. would still have this person be put on display like this. And then using that to represent, um, in in contrast, Treves's kind of more compassionate side 
Um, I think that he's simplifying it down because a story like this sort of needs to be simplified because, again, this took place in real life over the better course of a decade. Yeah. It could have been that for the first three years, Treves didn't feel much sympathy for him, that Treves was simply looking at him as a, as a medical study, and that as he began to know him more and more and that relationship formed, that's when they became friends. That's when Treves began to actually, you know, appreciate his personhood. Yeah. Um, but... For the sake of the movie, which, which again, it's never really specified in the movie how long it takes place over, but it seems like it takes place over perhaps a few weeks or a few months. It's brief. Um, it seems brief. Yeah. yeah. Um, that be- you just need to rush those things along. Essentially, you need you you can't necessarily have too much time of Treves, you know, contemplating what he's doing because <laughs> yeah. otherwise you would spend half the movie doing that. You we'd know, have a Netflix only series, a little bit over basically. Two, yeah, yeah, exactly. We'd, we'd have a, a little bit over two hours. Yeah, and um, this is true. Like, what you're saying is absolutely true. And it is one of the interesting challenges of film is, mm-hmm. and I think especially with a biograph film where uh, you, you're trying to represent, uh, um, you know, this life in, in, a, uh, in an hour and a half or two hours time. Mm-hmm. It's so totally. I mean, it's very understandable. I think sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that we lose some of the nuance, but I mean, but in this, then the other side of it though, is that you look at this and you're like, it's almost kind of like a fairy tale story. This is almost Mm -hmm. like a Grimm's, right? It's reduced to such a kind of, you know what I'm saying? That it's like, really at this point, the elephant man, we're no longer talking about a human being. We're not, we're not really trying to understand Joseph Merrick per se. It's, it's this entity is being turned into a symbol and, yeah, or a lesson yeah, and yeah. or a lesson and and for example i mean you know one of the things that that i felt at least and I've, i'm curious to hear what you how it kind of personally impacted you but we can move a little bit into that because i i think that's one of the more interesting things to discuss uh with people i always love to hear like what their personal experience with the film was but you know for me um i mean the way I felt about the film when I'm watching it is that I, I feel like all of us, or at least I'm, me, but I'm guessing, I would guess that all or most of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, feel like we have an elephant man inside of us. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I think everybody could probably at some point in time, at, you know, greater to lesser degrees, but at one point in time have been ashamed about our bodies, about ourselves. There's something about us. We feel ugly. We feel like we're an outsider. We feel we're made fun of. Maybe you've been picked on when you were a kid in school, bullied. You're too fat. You're too short. You're too tall. Your teeth are crooked. You're, you have acne. I mean, any number of things, right? You, um, but I think everybody goes through an experience of being ridiculed and embarrassed for our physical appearance. And it's something that most of the time it's like, you can't help it. It's like, mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. help it if I'm bald. I can't help it. I'm not by the way, but, <laughs> but you, you know, you can't help it if you're, you know, I know I have, like, I have definitely been ashamed of my body mm-hmm. and, yeah, and absolutely. felt shame for that. And I have, you know, felt what it is to, to feel like people are, you know, ridiculing you or judging you or being critical that you don't fit. So I think most of us feel like that. And it really doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your exterior body. A lot of times, maybe people aren't even noticing or don't care, but it's the insecurity that we all have about ourselves, how we all want to fit in. And, and even more, I mean, I think most of us want to be beautiful we long to be beautiful in some way to to be perceived as beautiful especially not only by ourselves but by others correct correct and so 
and, and, it, and it's something that we can't, to great extent, often control. I mean, the elephant man didn't ask for this. He didn't do anything to deserve it. It, it happened to him. And we all are, are like that. What we're brought into the world with is what it's like. This is what we have. We did. You know, we can't change it a lot of times. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, we could, plastic surgery and all these things. But you get my overall gist. It's, it's a fundamental part of the human condition. So that's how I related to the film that, you know, mm-hmm. it's not so much about let's try to represent this person's life in a realistic way and a nuanced way. But it's let's take this person's life and turn him into a symbol of something and kind of mythologize it so that yeah. it, it resonates with others. So what, I mean, what did you kind of feel? Did it, did it resonate with you in that way? No, I totally. There... I mean, I think that, that, that one of the things this movie does incredibly well is you, you, you care so much about Merrick. Yeah. Like I, you like it, it is actually a really, really, um, to me at least a really emotionally powerful movie in that yeah. I was like, like as simple as the storytelling is, and perhaps owing to the simple storytelling, um, I I felt you know you you relate to the character in a way, and I think it's actually interesting too because the most recent I think one of the most recent stage productions of the Elephant Man um, was was uh, starring Bradley Cooper, where they decided to actually not do any oh, makeup. Yeah, and it was all entirely just a physical performance. And I think the reason they did that was likely because much in line with with what we're talking about is that it's 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 more so making a point about anybody perceived to be different goes through some version of this and i think that everybody has a point in their life where they do think that they are different or they do feel different in some way um and so i think that that, that's one thing that i thought was really remarkable and even just the idea again like was the elephant man ever chased through a train station who knows? Who knows? But the moment when he's backed into that corner in the washroom and he screams out, you know, I'm not an animal, I'm a mm. human being, arguably the most famous scene from the movie. Um, I think that that, it just reson- it's, it resonates with every single person because the whole point is that you, everybody wants a point where they can, or has a point in life where they feel like they need to say that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, on, on the kind of same note, the movie really does deal with, um, you know, although we, as we spoke about before, how it's like very much divided by class, um, it does also very much deal with this idea of like internal and external beauty, which is that, you know, yeah. that, that Merrick is such, and I think that that might again be one of the reasons that Merrick is simplified to this man who's never angry, who's never jealous, who never lies, that the re- is because it, it re- less so is trying to make an accurate portrayal of the man and of the story of the man and stuff like that, but more so using, like you said, the man as a symbol to represent that you can be someone with severe deformities on your outside. You can be someone that, that, that hardly looks human, and yet you're the most gentle, kind, loving, caring person right. in the world. Um, and, so, like, you know, even again, just to talk a little bit about John Hurt for a second, that the, the performance that he gives through all this makeup is yeah, remarkable. Yeah, we haven't even talked how, about that hardly. How yeah. soft spoken he is and how. Again, how much sympathy he elicits from this. Like, you you immediately just kind of want to give the guy a hug, which is what I thought was really <laughs> remarkable about the movie. Like, the, the first thing you want to do is just get him out of there and be like, no, yeah. for God's sakes, you know, how different would his life has been, have been if he was around today? Um, yeah. And so Hope, I think that that's one of those better. things. Sometimes you oh, wonder, yes. though. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes I wonder. wonder. Yeah. But, but I think that that's the thing, is that you see you see this, this movie, and again, it, so it becomes very much a point of... To me, it's like, 
again, it, it could, it's probably just built into the source material automatically, whether or not it was a, a point to be made in the movie, but um, very much so that there's this, this huge point about, like, that the people who you don't like aren't the people who aren't physically pretty, it's the people who are abusive, manipulative, who are... Yeah. Um, you know, scoffing and, and aggressive and violent towards Merrick, not not Merrick himself, of course. So, well, it's interesting. I mean, and so you're right. This and this is this is definitely another. You've got inter- internal and external beauty. You also have what does it mean to be human? And you know, a lot <laughs> yes. of movies. You have a lot of like uh, movies go into this realm, like Blade Runner, where you know what is you know a lot of times that's where it goes. Uh, in today's day and age, like in a science fiction, like is a, you know, what does it mean to be human? It gets existential almost. Uh, it gets yeah. kind of, but, but this yeah. is kind of the same question in a sense, uh, just asked in a different kind of context. But what is it to be human? Is human your physical shape? Is human your recognizable face? Is human your opposable thumbs and two arms and two legs? And, you know, is that human or is human your intellect? Is human your emotional response to things so you know mm-hmm. it's asking a lot of these same questions and you touched on this uh, briefly earlier and i think uh i it worth it uh discussing again a little bit is this you know in the is this idea of literature being attached to humanity and we've got a, several examples here that i think are so interesting i mean and when when merrick is brought into the hospital and uh treves wants him to stay but the governor of the hospital or the you know head manager of the hospital uh, doesn't so you know and treves kind of trains him to respond to some commands and and tra- and teaches him a little bit of psalm 23 yeah, and the yeah. governor's not impressed at all he's like well you could have taught him you could have taught a monkey it doesn't say that verbatim but kind of he's like you could have taught anything to kind of just repeat you know what you what you what you practice so they leave and as they're leaving uh merrick starts to, continues to recite the uh the psalm 23 well past that what he had been taught by Treves. Yeah. This is an indication to the both of them that there is humanity there. And it's it's interesting that it is his ability to speak, his ability to read and comprehend literature is a big part of what starts to convince them that he is actually human. We have mm-hmm. another great great scene, and actually it's one of the, I think, the best scenes of the film myself is the, the Romeo and Juliet scene. Yes, yeah, yeah where uh he's he is reading romeo we have um this actress character in the film is playing juliet and they're going back and forth with their lines and kind of you know they fall into this scene and uh it's really touching it's really quite beautiful and it's another part where literature and his ability to comprehend it to be a part of it to understand it um is used to kind of create this the, this connection to humanity and it's, mm-hmm. it's really beautiful mm-hmm. and she kind of calls him you know says that he is a romeo and it's really a, a beautiful and humanizing moment and then of course when he's dying when merrick is dying on the bed he's like finally for once in his life he's lying down um and tennyson's nothing will die poem his like this star field with his mother's face is kind mm-hmm. of you know we've got this kind of a dream sequence i guess or dying sequence or however you might like to call it we have kind of another another piece of literature and even uh you know merrick attending the play and uh that that i guess you know this performance of literature is yes, kind of yeah. the impetus for for joseph to say i've lived 
Yeah. And I'm going to like, you know, I mean, because you could strongly make an art. He knows he's going to die if he lays down. So he's yeah. it's like, yeah. I have finally is, now which, lived. It's so, interesting, too, there, because I think in, in real life, again, it wasn't really certain whether or not his death was intentional, that it could have like that, that the idea, you know. I think the consensus that Treves came to was that it was an accident that he just felt like he, Could he have wanted been. to try lying down. So, and I think it's again, it's another example you there can... of Lynch simplifying something, much like well, um, like Herzog it. talks about. But it's that it's it's more so that what's the truth versus fact, right? Like and, it, it and comes Lynch back to that whole kind conversation. Of leave it a little bit open. I mean, it's yeah, not like, yeah. it, and this is what's great. I mean, Lynch doesn't have Merrick saying, I, "I've got to shuffle off this I must coil my, yeah. now that I've." I mean, he hints yeah. to it a little because we see Merrick signs the 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 cathedral that he's been building. Um, yeah. Yeah. This little miniature cathedral, he signs it, so we do get a sense of punctuation, right? That that he had. It's almost like his, you know, death note, so to speak, right? He signs his cathedral. And but 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 Lynch is still open. I mean, it, you could also read it as like he's had this wonderful evening. He's yeah. like gotten to go to this play. He received an ovation. He was called out, you know, and so he's like in like wants to experience just a little bit more of, of the fullness of what it means to be human and the just the simple ability to be able to sleep like a normal human. Yeah, so you could, yeah. you know, I mean, you could kind of sort of, there's like some nuance there. And he looks over at the painting that's on his wall of right. the, uh, the, the child sleeping in bed. And so that there, there's this again, yeah, this, this, and that even that goes back to this desire of like, what does it actually mean to be human? Because yeah. he's, he almost looks at it as a way of like, I would like to sleep like a normal human being. He mentions that earlier in the film as well. Um, but this idea, yeah, that it's like, you know, you're, you're completely correct in that they did both emphasizes this whole idea of literature but it, i mean again it's it, i think it's a very well thought out movie in terms like i i feel like what i think is so funny about ebert really not liking it and the points that ebert makes about not liking it is that i almost would think the opposite like i think that this movie really knows what it what it wants to say and that is almost to ah. say little it's almost to 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 present these ideas so maybe and... that lynch did have a pretty strong we yeah, I mean, I, that's again, because I, I see a lot of, like, I again, I see a lot of choice. I see a lot of intention in uh -huh. the way that the story is told, in the way both visually and, um, you know, the actual storytelling that goes right. on. Um, I, I see so much intention there that that I think that it, it would be a safe guess to say that, yeah, that the things that go on in the film, the way that things are kind of left to um, a much more ambiguous end is much very much intentional that it's not it's not an oversight it's so maybe not there is a strong yeah. voice here uh yeah. it's just yeah. not a voice that is that is telling you what to think or how to think or why to think that way like a lot of films are today mm -hmm. it's that more so it's just a different presenting type of voice it. yes yeah yeah it's a different type of voice well and it's a voice that i really appreciate no um, totally. and I, I mean i guess just you, to to put it clearly, the guy I really enjoyed them. It's it was my first time watching this movie actually. Yeah, um, I hadn't seen it before. Whereas I think you mentioned that you'd seen it. Well, um, yeah, we could kind of just end yeah. a little bit on. I mean, just in the most uh, funny story, <laughs> we can kind of wrap up. But my yeah, experience yeah. with it. So obviously, I'm older than you. For those who are who haven't heard that before, there's about a 20 age year difference between the two of us. Um, I'm in my mid 40s, and Cullen is in his 20s. So I this I was four when this film came out. Obviously, I didn't go see it at the theater, but, mm -hmm. you know, a year or two years later, whatever it was, when it finally came on cable, 
um, I caught some of this film and it has left an absolutely indelible mark in my mind. It's burned into my brain. It scared the bejesus out of me that, you know, back then the way you watched movies was that you flipped around on channels and whatever was on was what was on. And that's what you watched, you know? So, so it was a very different experience. So, you know, I was probably, you know, let's say maybe six or so, maybe, and six, seven years old, and I'm flipping around, and the movie is starting, and it's this first, you know, where the, where Treves is kind of snaking his way through the back alleys with mm-hmm. the barkers and everything, and, and uh, on that first reveal of the Elephant Man, I mean, I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I, I was terrified, and I'm not, and I loved monster movies and science fiction movies and, you know, all this kind of stuff, and horror movies even. Uh, probably just starting to get into a little bit, a little bit of that uh, at only six, but it really terrified me. But it also totally had me spellbound. I was so intrigued. I and I mean, I I almost kind of even became obsessed with the Elephant Man. Like I remember, mm-hmm. you know, going to the library and trying to read up on everything that I could find. You know, what what caused this condition? What you know, what in the world would do? Like, what could make this happen to someone? And even like reading medical books and. You know, I, I got really into it, man, when I was a kid. Which is so, interesting, yeah. Yeah, so, so it had a big impact on me. Um, and uh, and yeah, it was that was kind of like one of this this movie popped into my head as as uh, an option for us to do because it it was I try to think back like just what were some of the films that had the most raw kind of you know visceral impact on me. And mm-hmm. that was one of them, you know, and I mean, just and, and I think we, when you take all of these things together, the the black and white photography, the the way it was shot lends it this ancient kind of feel. Uh, but yet we have such an accomplished makeup, uh, you know, done work there. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, the, the elephant man's prosthetic work, the, all of that makeup is outstanding. And it just felt so real. It felt like almost a documentary to me. I mean, yeah, it felt like, yeah. you know, World War II, like documentary footage or something that had been shot, you know, in 16 millimeter or something, you know, but it it just, it, it, it really was extraordinary. So, yeah, I mean, my experience was that it was... Um, it, it was a pretty big deal when I was a kid. Now, I hadn't seen it in a really long time. So mm-hmm. I, I'd say it's probably been 15 years since I'd seen the film. So it was great to come back to it uh, now. But I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I thought it was a pretty powerful experience. And it sounds like you did, too, on your first No, yeah. Year. I mean, so I, I, I knew about the... I mean, I knew the story. I knew I knew about it. I knew the big moment of the I'm not a, uh, an animal. I mean, right. that's, that's very much something I've seen several times. And... Um, but I think what was interesting was going into it. I, I, I didn't really know what to expect because I didn't know if it was going to be very Lynch in the way that it was going to be surreal. It was going to be sort of a little bit more art house um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I would say 99% of Lynch's movies are. Uh, if anything, this would this may be the kind of sole exception of yeah. his filmography that's not Pretty straight shot. super yeah. dreamlike. Yeah. Um, of course, there are those moments in it that, that go surreal, but they're supposed to be dreams, so it makes sense within the context. Um but no, I I uh, I loved it. It was one of those movies that, like, he, again, you know, I, I I'm a fan of David Lynch, so I, I had the expectation that I would have liked it going into it. But no, I, I thought that it was 
I don't know. It was. It kind of just encapsulated me. It took me away with it. It was. There was never a moment where I felt myself drifting from the screen. There was. There Excellent. was a constant uh, kind of attention throughout, um, which isn't super difficult. Like I mean, I find it quite easy to watch very long movies. I'm not someone who struggles with that in any way. But, um, but no, this movie kept me engaged right throughout, and and again also made me feel a lot. Really, again, is a very emotional movie. Um, and a very touching movie, and um, like it, yeah. I, so I, you know, for the first time watching, thumbs up I was from very, Cullen. Very happy with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, excellent. Well, I'm I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I, it's fun for me to kind of uh, share films, and it's not mm-hmm. very often that a film that was had this big of an impact is something that you can share new with someone. So that's excellent. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed and it's, it. What's and, fun too is that it, it's related vaguely to the last episode we did on Silence of the Lambs because. Right? Uh, Jonathan Hopkins? Demi, apparently one of the big reasons that he wanted Hopkins to be Lecter was because of the Elephant Man. So I love it. Little, a great little tie-in. We'll try that. to do yeah. that. Like the next film yes. that we pick for next episode, we'll try to find you know a degree, <laughs> yeah. just a degree of separation what from the one to the other. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, man. Well, on that note, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and sign off. But it's hmm. been uh, yet another awesome conversation. Uh, it's always a blast to, to discuss these films with you. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what we choose next time. I think uh, you're going to be up for making a suggestion for what film we cover next time so mm-hmm. for our audience out there that'll be a fun surprise but uh everyone thank you for listening and until next time have a great week yeah, bye bye